Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey guys, so tonight my heart is simple. I'm going to continue our series, Is It Logical? And whenever I I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about the name for this series. One of the things that I really wanted to share and that was on my heart is understanding that the God we serve is not always logical. If we read the Christian story, it would be, there would be no logic in it. And if we take our finite brains and try to understand an infinite God, it's just not going to work, is it? And we have to be willing to tap into that spiritual part of us that does not say, that says this is illogical. And then we have to fight that physical side of us that says it is logical and, and tap in rather into that spiritual man that says it, it is logical. It's just not in the realm that you live in. So tonight as we teach, we're going to start out here in Luke chapter 2 verse 10. And the angel, and oh, just a pre-warning, uh, like there's going to be like a million scriptures tonight, okay? So y'all just go with me here. Um, I believe that the other day I was in prayer, and God took me on a journey. And we're going to wind up in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which are not the ordinary Christmas um, scriptures. But I think there's some hidden nuggets in there that's extremely deep. Because what the world will try to do is take Christ and boil it down to the most important thing that he ever did was be born in a manger. And then they put beauty in the manger and the stars and the scenes and all the other stuff. But that is because he was born, that's important, but because he lives, I live. <laughs> so, but the only way that he could raise from the dead is if he was born on earth. So that's what we get to celebrate here. And I believe that Paul is writing in his letter to Romans, uh, which is a bustling church in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, 1 and 2, and we'll get to that. So here in chapter 2 of Luke, and we go back to Dr. Luke here, um, verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, in the world that we live in, many times that's boiled down to just salvation, what I like to call fire insurance. I have some insurance that saves me from hell. That's what fire insurance is, right? But it's much more than that. If this is the truly the good news, then what makes it the good news? And really in the Greek, it's kind of a perpetual good news. It's almost like good, 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 almost too good to be true news. It's like a perpetual thing, if you will. And it's just like it's unbelievable. It's not logical how good of news this really is that Jesus was born unto us that day. And, uh, and as I was reading that, I was thinking, God, help me understand the good news and the life that we live today. So let's pray. Father, as our hearts are bowed to you, I pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts. As we read your word this evening, that our hearts would be open to what you would have to say, that we would equip ourselves not only to know our faith, but to defend our faith. We would be in a place, not only do we know our faith, but it's our faith that inspires us. It's our faith that influences us. It's our faith that we have decided to follow because it's found on the rock, which is you, Christ. So our hearts are bowed to you. Speak to us tonight, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says, amen. So, logical... And it's not logical as you read the Bible and you see that a God created, a God chased, a God cared for, a God provided, and then a God protected. And when all that wasn't enough, he said, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ. 
It's not logical to think that. I mean, in, in, in where I'm at, and I try to give grace and mercy, right? But at one point, I'm like, okay, I'm all grace and mercy doubt. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything else to give. Anybody else been there? But a God that is just overwhelmed, like, he is not, it, it is, it's not like he borrows grace or borrows mercy. He is the source of all grace and mercy. And, and Emmanuel, God with us, that was what was born into the earth that faithful day. That night that, that we read about the manger and these different things, that it was a God that could supply all of our needs, that it's not just about eternity, but it's about life here on earth. It's about the life that we live, that we have life. That almost too good to be true news. And then we look at it and we say, well, is, is it logical? But you look at he was worthy of a king's birth, but he didn't have one. He was worthy of a king's life, but chose to do without one. He was worthy of everything the world could give, but he chose not to claim it. He was worthy of all the worship, but he would not take it. He was worthy of a king's tomb, but he borrowed one instead, didn't he? He was worthy of somebody coming in and folding his burial clothes, but because he raised us from the dead, he could fold his own clothes. How logical is that? Worthy, and I dare use this word entitled because he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Yet he set all that aside because he wanted to come after us. And I think about my human mind and my human intellect and my human reasoning, and it just doesn't cut it when it comes to thinking about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then I realized that to understand the true revelation that we go to that place where we have to receive from Christ, that it's not in my human reasoning, it's not in my intellect, it's not in anything that I can produce, but it's only by God. And I was thinking of Matthew chapter 16. And he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And he's talking to Peter. He's talking to the disciples, and Peter answers. And he says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ looks at him and says, you understand this not in yourself, and I'm paraphrasing here, you understand this not in yourself, but you understand it because my Father revealed it to you. So this too good to be true news is not something I can grasp by mere words on a page, but it's something that I have to say, God, my spirit man is brought alive because of you. And if, if my spirit man doesn't connect with the Holy Spirit of God, then I'll never truly grasp this good news that you talk about. That you used prophets that would sit down and, and men of old that would be moved on by the spirit of our living God and, and you've selected them to use these words. So God, what is the too good to be true news? But it's not by God, is it? See, I think that day whenever Peter said, you're the son of the living God, that God revealed something to him that only could be delivered by the spiritual male, if you will. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So Peter, in other words, so Peter, although you've been hanging out with me, Peter, although you've been eating with me, Peter, you've seen me and you've followed me and you've done things with me, that's not enough. There's something that goes a little deeper that we have to push into. There's this spiritual man that has to be connected and plugged in to the living spirit of our God. But none of that was possible without what we call Christmas. Christmas. 
In the Old Testament, we read and we see that the Spirit of the living God was in the Ark of the Covenant, and we know that it was serious business. If somebody went over there and started messing with the Ark of the Covenant, was brought from town to town and opened it up, I mean, hundreds of people would die. It was crazy. This is not something you miss. And could you imagine with me just for a second being one of those prophets of old? Being the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Could you imagine thinking about that and saying that? And then thinking, wait a second. Your spirit that's in that ark, that if people don't handle it right, they die, will one day live within us. And we know that's because of Christ, because Christ says this, it's expedient that I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't happen without his birth. So as I began to look in here, I began to think about some stuff, and I began to realize that unless the Spirit of God truly connects us, it's the, our spirit man that we cannot understand. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, where it talks about the foolish, the foolish people don't understand this, people who are not of the Spirit. The people who, if you will, with me, will not think illogically. <laughs> and say, God... This doesn't make sense with any earthly mindset that I have. Oh, but you on my side, it makes more sense than I ever thought. It doesn't make sense to my physical person. It doesn't make sense, but there's this reality that now, because of Christ, I have the opportunity to have a strong spiritual man. That as I looked in the Old Testament and found that there was only a few men that could ever reach the point that you and I can reach. We, we read the scripture of the old and, and, and we see the priest handling the things of God. We see the worship leaders. We see King David. We see silver of the prophets. But we don't see it at the magnitude that we see now. And I believe that's what it was talking about whenever, it, whenever we read in scripture that it's almost too good to be true news. Because now, this life that I live can be lived with the fullest of life in it. Because now, because of Christ has been born, my sins are not rolled back. They're not still hanging over my head. Because the great blood of our Lord and Savior was shed, they are completely erased. So I get to live, and you get to live in a fullness with Christ get to live in a fullness with our heavenly father that our forefathers did our forefathers and mothers never got to experience because whenever we sin and the conviction of the holy spirit comes upon us and our spirit man is convicted and we truly find that repentance those sins are no more and it allows us to do some things that we get to experience. Now, Paul is writing to the Romans. Are you guys with me? Okay, sorry if I'm a little intense. I love, I've, been, I've been preparing this for you guys and a lot of preparation on my knees, but Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So Paul is appealing to the Roman church. Now, appeal is not because he's going in for a second time or he needs some help. He's really trying to dig deep. It's like he's digging his heels in the ground and saying, listen, brothers and sisters, I've really got something to tell you. Please, Please pay attention. 
Paul was not a, a beggar by nature. Paul would show up and he would take command. Paul would show up and preach till people fell out of windows dead <laughs> or fell out of windows asleep and die. Okay? He would write letters till his hands hurt, no doubt. He would speak up to kings. He would speak up to priests and Jewish leaders and governors. He didn't care. There was times that he would talk to complete armies and switch languages in the middle of it just so he could make sure that he got every one of them with the glorious gospel of Christ. I mean, he was Paul. So we catch Paul in a unique spot. Whenever he says these words, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Then he goes a little bit further. He says, now, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing or the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what we get to celebrate this season, that I would even have a shot at being in the acceptable, in the good, in the perfect will of Christ. But without him giving his life, there was no way that that was able to happen. But we catch Paul here, and he's helping us understand something. And we see kind of a glimpse of Paul. He was the one that would write to Timothy. Oh, you got to love him. He had a special relationship with Timothy. He'd be like, Timothy, suck it up, man. Even, 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 even on his last leg, he goes, listen, Timothy, I'm going to be poured out as a drink offering, and you're going to be on your own. So you keep preaching the gospel. You keep doing the things that God told you to do. Don't worry about me. I know where my life and my eternity is set. You worry about doing what God has told you to do. That's just kind of the way Paul was. He would look at him and say, listen, you got a weak stomach, drink a little bit of wine. He'd tell me stuff like, listen, don't be timid. Don't be fearful. Don't blame your youth. It doesn't matter if people think you're too young. You continue to preach this glorious gospel. I mean, that's just the way he was, right? Pastor puts it well, kind of like a Marine hitting a beach. If you guys have ever watched Band of Brothers, man, they're, they're assaulting the island of Peloponnu because they're trying to set up an airstrip. And they're getting in their U-boats, and they're, they're, they're bailing out of the sides, and they're crawling on the beaches and stuff, and their commanders are, are yelling and getting them together to where they need to be. That's kind of the way Paul was. So to catch him in this posture is something that I want to soak up the moment on. Because he's saying, listen, I'm appealing to you. I, I want you to listen to me. It's like he takes a breath and says, whatever your opinions are, set those aside. Listen to what I'm about to say. And he gives us some, some glimpses here. He, he helps us understand that it's the birth, the life, and the death of our Lord and Savior. Of course, we know none of that happens without the birth, amen? We don't get to see his life. We don't get to read those scriptures. We don't get to see his death and ultimately the resurrection of our Lord and Savior it's what Peter echoes in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verses 3 and 5. It, said, it says, Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. So what is the great mercies of the Lord? So Paul is saying here, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. What's the mercies? Well, we can name down every great thing that God has ever done for us. We can try. But really, the great mercies are that Christ was born unto us that day. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. 
It was the mercy that he wasn't just born, but he lived a life for 33 years to show us that it could be done. But it was only through him. Showed us that it was his death that he's willing to sacrifice for each and every one of us. Shows us that death didn't have no grip on him. Hell had no control over him. He was there when Satan fell from the sky like lightning. He had the power to raise himself, didn't he? And it's through those mercies that even Peter writes about. So as we're reading this tonight, as we're, and we're going to dissect this and tear this apart, and at 632, I'm going to pay close attention to time here, okay? I think I got 11 pages, y'all pray. <laughs> if y'all start leaving, I'll know I need to shut up. It's like that old, uh, old joke I heard about that pastor. He was doing really good. He was doing really good. He'd put a lifesaver in the back of his mouth, and he'd preach with it. And he knew when that sucker had dissolved, it had been about 22, 23, 25 minutes, you know. And people thought, man, people come to say, great job, pastor. I mean, your timing was perfect. Well, he threw that dude in his mouth one morning and kept preaching and kept preaching, and people were sneaking out the back, and he didn't understand. He thought, man, this is long. What he found out, he forgot he put a button in his mouth. He got it confused with a, with a lifesaver, so that's a dad joke. But it's good. It's good. It's a dad joke. So we won't do that. No buttons in my mouth, by the way. So here, as we tear this apart here, we see that Paul's trying to show some stuff. That we can have the life in Christ and we can have a full life in Christ. That's, that's the too good to be true news that we have a Savior from this world. That despite the, 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 the difficulty that this world has and the darkness and the evil, we don't have to be a part of it, do we? Not only do we not have to be a part of it, but in the midst of all of that, we can be told the truth and we can be shown the truth. And we can have the seal of the Holy Spirit on our heart knowing that we're walking in truth. So as we tear this apart, it, 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 it hits me. The first thing that I see in the fullness of Christ that we get to celebrate this season is that we, we live a life as a living sacrifice. Because he lives, I live. And he says... Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And I almost have to take a deep breath and it just blows my mind that I have an opportunity that my life would mean something before my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Paul says, listen, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We, we're very familiar with it, probably how they would do sacrifices. And there was only really the high priest that could go in to the temple and they call it the holiest of holies. And he was the only one that could really go into the, in, into the holiest of holies to present the sacrifice. And this was the thing, is the sacrifice was not a living sacrifice. So the reality that you and I can go into where the Spirit of God is and, and not a place necessary, but the Spirit of God would visit us, the Holy Spirit would come and speak to us and talk to us. And that we get to present our life as a living sacrifice is something that we get to celebrate this season. That we have the opportunity to present that. Hebrews chapter 10, or excuse me, Hebrew, yeah, Hebrews chapter 10, verses nine, uh, chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, I get to live because it was his blood that was shed. But there's no shedding of the blood without being born in the manger. And, and then we read again in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. 
This is how the life of the priest, could you imagine this? Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away the sins. But when this priest had offered for all time the sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since the time he awaits his enemies to be made his footstool. And since we reign with Christ, one day those enemies will be made our footstool. But it's not because of something we've done, it's because of his shed blood. Verse 14, for by one sacrifice he, was made, um, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's what we get to celebrate. It's the reality that it was one sacrifice that was given and now we get to live in the fullness of life. Whenever Christ said, the thief comes, John 10 and 10, the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Sometimes the world that we live in spins that around and makes that so much about material things, but it's not. It means we get to live a life. We get to live a life that our forefathers and mothers never got to live. We get to live in a spirit in the way that they never experienced. Because Christ, the supreme sacrifice, one time died. And it was his blood that we see. It's a privilege that we celebrate the things that we do to honor God. The things that we have done in the name of Christ actually matter. I mean, what a privilege. Our life holds significance. Not because of who we are, but who we are in Christ. Without the manger, that's not possible. We're doing things, like Paul says, in the top, because it's our religious duty. But now, because of Christ being born in a manger, because we celebrate Christmas, it's not about religious duties. It's about a relationship. When I get on my knees... And I raise my hands when I'm in the house of God and we're singing hymns or, or whatever songs you want to throw out there. All of a sudden, I'm not by myself because I feel the presence of God in my soul. I feel conviction of sin and it's not something that comes across me like a wave that makes me feel ashamed and worthless, but yet it's flooded with love saying, Matt, come unto me. You have to change your life. But as you draw unto me, you'll never regret it. And Matt, I'm waiting I'm waiting because I've got plans. See, Paul writes about this, that we're all vessels. And what is God waiting for? God wants us to be vessels that his light can shine through. This little light of mine. Oh, when the kids started singing that, man, I was like, yeah! Put it under a bushel. Oh, no, I'm going to let it shine. We don't always have to let it shine through Jesus' shirts and bumper stickers. <laughs> Just let it shine through love, baby. <laughs> Doesn't always have to be through words. And here we see that, that, that life is a living sacrifice, that my life as I live it, that means as I love my wife, as I love my daughter, as I love my parents and family and you guys, that man, that could be offered as a living sacrifice unto my God. What a privilege and an honor. And Paul's helping us understand this, but he doesn't stop there. He goes into Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and we see it. That this living sacrifice is what before God. So we get to live a life, a life in holiness. And that's, I think that's 
a life holy, a holy life. That was my bad. But we get to live a life in holiness. And if, if we really, and people really understood the true nature of holiness, that it would be one of those things that I would want to live my life that way anyways because it's just a better life. I've learned this from John Maxwell, that anything worth striving for is, is uphill. But this is the problem in our life. We're striving uphill, but we have to fight downhill habits. And then I was thinking of this concept, that I want to strive uphill, but I fight downhill habits. And I was thinking of the scenario of a turkey. The only thing that turkey has going for it is its eyesight. It's extremely vulnerable. I mean, it can't fly more than 20 or 30 yards. I mean, it's just not a very... And I was thinking how many times whenever I'm not willing to go uphill with uphill habits. But I try to go uphill with downhill habits and I feel like a turkey. My wing, you know what I mean? But whenever I will fight uphill habits and strive uphill, all of a sudden, I begin to soar like an eagle. And I begin to soar like Christ made me to soar instead of how I think I should soar. But those things are not revealed to us unless we're connected through that spiritual man, which we have the privilege of through those sacrifices, and we live, and that's the way that the life of, of holiness really is. It's saying, God, I'm striving to be like you, which I know is an uphill battle, and in order to do that, I'm going to use uphill habits, because there are no shortcuts. And as we look at Paul, he says this, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we read in the Old Scripture, in Leviticus, not in the Old Scripture, Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, Christ is speaking through a prophet and says, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, This is a direct commandment. You shall be holy, for I am the Lord your God am holy. We see the same thing echoed by Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. A direct commandment given to the children of Israel, given to, the, to God's people. And then we see the excitement in Peter's voice because we begin to understand that it's no longer something that we have to strive for. But because the shed blood of Jesus Christ is on our life, because he was born in a manger, now God can look at me as holy. Because I have the supreme example to follow. Because I have the Holy Spirit in my life, not words on a page only. What I find is I no longer strive for holiness. Holiness is in me, and it makes me strive for it. 
So now instead of asking myself, am I holy enough? I no longer have to do that. You no longer have to do that. Instead, we can say, God, I just want to get closer to you. And I know the closer I get to Christ, the more holy I become. So I've got the privilege of not only looking through the Holy Writ, but I get the privilege of the Spirit of God speaking to me because my Savior laid down His life. And holiness is not something that I have to achieve through somebody else. Holiness is not something I have to achieve through a ritual. Holiness is something that I can achieve because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ that all began in a manger. And this life that I get to live that's holy will not only impact me, but it will impact generations to come in the complete right direction. And where we fall short, trying our best to impact and influence, God's grace is there to pick up the slack. They can look back on our life because Paul says this, follow me as I follow Christ. And every one of us to a degree should have that as we look at our families. Follow me as I follow Christ. But in those times that we all fall short, when we try so hard to lead and to love and to be what God has called us to be, the example doesn't stop there. They can look in the holy writ. They can have the spirit of God in their life to lead them to conviction, to continue to go even greater in the depths of the Lord than what we could ever take them. So is it logical? Oh no, it's not logical, but it works. But it all began as what we're celebrating and this is what's interesting to me. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. What a privilege. And the four, Now this is the heaven's realm. And the four living creatures, each of them with six, ling, six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Because Christ was born, our salvation is through Him and Him alone. We have the Holy Spirit in our life, which He sent, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We truly can have a little piece of heaven on earth. Because whenever my spirit cries out, God, I want to be like you. Christ, I want to understand you more. Christ, I want you to speak to me. Holy Spirit, illuminate my heart. And whenever we pray those prayers, what are we praying? Holy, holy, holy. And we're not by ourselves. We get to join in with all of heaven as they are enthroned. Remember, Psalms 22, I believe, teaches us that God is enthroned by the praises of his people. So whenever we have our attitudes right and just cry out, holy, holy, holy God, I want to be like you. God inhabits those praises. And as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. But without a manger, without our God willing to give his life, 
we can't experience what we're experiencing. And Paul is saying, listen, you get to live a life. Now, as we go on, we get to live a life that's acceptable in worship as well. So we have, we have a holy life, but we have a life, so we, we get to live. It's a living sacrifice. It's a holy sacrifice. And then Paul continues, he says, that it is acceptable to be God, and that should stop us all and bring us to tears, that anything we do would be acceptable to a holy God. Acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And all of a sudden we see because Christ gave his life, because Christ came to the earth, because Christ was born and what we celebrate. That we break through the bondage that the children of Israel, I was thinking of this concept, that the children of Israel lived in as they were slaves beaten by their taskmasters. As they had to look at the Ten Commandments and think, I'll never be able to measure up. God will never be able to look at my life. It's just impossible. But because we have Christ, and we're seen through the blood of Jesus, that now our worship matters. Not only does it matter, it's acceptable. And what's the amazing part about it being acceptable Hebrews 10 and 19, again, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. So now my worship brings me to a level of confidence in Christ. And because he shed his blood, now I can be in a place where the Holy Spirit can speak to me. And my worship brings me to another place in my Lord and Savior. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul is writing to his friends in Ephesus, and this is what he says. To praise, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Talking about Jesus and mercy. So grace is mercy. And remember, we talked about the great mercies. Wherein he hath made us acceptable in the Beloved. We celebrate the manger because it's, it allows us to be acceptable. So when we live our life with a life that is worship unto God, He accepts that and we get to live as holy people and we get to live as people of sacrifice. And we celebrate the manger because we see the flip side, if you will. What did the wise men bring to Jesus when he was believed to probably be two or three years old. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Think about this. Those who diligently sought Christ brought gifts to him. Because of the life of Christ, Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us that as we seek him, he will reward us. Now, because he lives, my worship brings me to a place where God can reward me here on earth and in heaven. That's the almost too good to be new truth, uh, almost too good to be true news. That's part of it. Is that I see the flip side in the story that people who really sought him were the ones that were laying gifts at his feet. 
And now on our end, we learn through Hebrews, the author teaches us that if we will diligently seek Him, He's a rewarder of those who do. So now I get to be a living sacrifice. It doesn't cost me my earthly life. I still get to enjoy family and friends and all these different types of things. I get to tap into holiness, which brings me to a whole new standard. I I get to be in this place where my worship matters, and now I stand before God in a worship that's acceptable and honorable to Him because He gave His life, a sacrifice that matters, and at the same time, He still wants to lavish me with rewards. It really is almost too good to be true. That my sacrifices that I bring to Him would move Him so much that he says, I see what you did. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall it come back to you. But I don't deserve that. You've, you've already given your life. You lived a life so that I wouldn't have to live that life. You went to a cross so I wouldn't have to give Go to a cross, you were born in a manger. I mean, nothing makes sense here. God, I I don't understand the logic. Because in the world that I live in, it's about what you give, you get. And what you want, you take. But your kingdom principles are just not that way. And you're such a loving God that surpasses what we could think that not only do you love me too much to leave me like I am, but you love me too much to be outgiven. But without our wonderful Christmas story that we celebrate, we're living a different life, aren't we? So this season, as we we celebrated it, It makes me understand that I can have life in my life. Now, I know it's 6.54, and thank you for your patience. And let's look at verse 2 here, because Paul doesn't stop, and I'm I'm, going to wind this thing down. Paul Paul shows us how to keep this life in life, and I'm going to zip through this real quick, because I think there's some nuggets in here. But he helps us understand, so once again, we see that the almost too good to be true news that's not logical it's not enough just to offer us that life it's not enough just to say you can have that life but now he's going to tell us how to keep it Romans chapter 12 verse 2 do not be conformed to this world now we're going to pick up the pace here a little bit do not be conformed to this world and I ask the question why do I not want to be conformed to this world well let's check scripture Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 therefore you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect so that's a directive right we belong to God John chapter 15 verse 19 if you were of the world the world would love you as its own but because you're not of the world but I've chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you What is it showing us? That we belong to God. That we cannot be conformed, we do not need to be conformed to something that does not own us. John chapter 17, verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So our example, Jesus, obviously is not of the world. We shouldn't be of the world. The world doesn't own us. Christ owns us. 
And that's the thing is we're not our own. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, it shows us that we were what? We were bought with a price. So Christ is trying to show us that if we want to keep the life in the life that we have that was made available because we had, you know, because he was born in a manger and we celebrate it, then I understand the reality that I do not need to conform to something that does not own me. The world has not paid a price for me, but my Lord and Savior has. And now, now he goes on, and, and Paul puts this on notice. Have any of you guys ever been put on notice? My wife will do that to me once in a while. She's listen, I'm not a teenager. Don't talk to me like that. Okay, so that's my wife putting me on notice. Okay? Galatians, 12, 2 and, Galatians chapter 2 and 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the reason why Paul can say, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. It's the same thing that Peter echoes in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 14. He says the same word, as obedient children do not be conformed. Because we can't conform ourselves. So if we, don't, if we want this life in the life, then we must tr- strive to not be conformed. But he doesn't leave us there yet still. He says, now I'm going to teach you how not to be conformed. How you not conformed is you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. The rest of chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 2. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And we see that I don't want to be conformed to the world. Therefore, the, the greatest way that I can fight that, the number one way, is that I'm transformed in my mind. And Paul helps us understand that. And all of this is done by the strength of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not by ourself. So when he says, I have too good to be true news, He said, not only am I going to make the way, but I'm going to walk with you on the way. And I'm going to show you the way. And I'm going to coach you along the way. And the good news about this is the way never ends because you'll spend eternity with me one day in heaven. And as we sing, God, make us holy, make us like you, one day we'll be with all the creation in heaven. Singing, holy, holy, holy are you. And none of it is logical. None of it is logical. And some things that we see that Paul did as he transformed his mind and just some quick things, and I won't go into Scripture, but first we realize that we have access to, we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. That we have the mind of Christ. So if you want to be transformed and not conformed, we have to realize that, God, I have access to your mind. Now don't give me the whole load at once. (laughs) I can't handle that. But in this situation, speak to me. And then we see that we have to ask the Spirit for help in that last part of testing. It's very important that testing is such a valuable part of knowing about what Paul is saying, that we've actually experienced this true gift of Christ. Because it's in testing, and I'll get to that maybe some other time, but it's in that testing that we see that we're not alone and we have some gifts. So as we leave here tonight, what my heart's been all week is, God, help me understand past the salvation. Help me understand that heaven on earth 
is not achievable as we think it is achievable. But it's achievable in the sense that I've got all my hope, all my desire, all my belief in you. And that you're not going to let me down. And to have that reassurance and that confidence that whenever I hit my knees, it's as powerful as the priest going into the holies of holies and offering that sacrifice. But Christ, without your birth this season, without that coming alive, I don't get it. Can you guys receive that tonight? I love you guys. Would you guys stand up? Let's go ahead and dismiss as a group here. It is 7 o'clock. Thank you so much for your attentiveness and your kindness. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you as we dismiss from the front here. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. I didn't mean to give you the whole round bell tonight, but I did. Now, if you're comfortable, go ahead and grab your neighbor's hand. You know, one of the things that we know we have in Christ Jesus is we have some opportunity that's supernatural, don't we? We have the Holy Spirit that can move on our behalf. We know that Christ heals, that He delivers, that He sets free. And that's what we're celebrating too. So as we celebrate our salvation, I want to take this moment. You've got somebody in your mind that needs to be healed, delivered, or set free, right? We all do. So tonight we're going to share the gift, aren't we? We can say, God, we know we can't do anything, but we know you can do everything. So we're going to pray for divine appointments in their life. We're going to pray that you would move supernaturally on their behalf. We're going to pray that you do things that they don't even know you're doing, and whenever you do them, they're going to look back and say, only God could do that. But we know that what we pray in secret, he'll do in the open. Let's pray together. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. And thank you for tonight, God. Is it logical? (laughs) Not really. Your love for us is not logical. It doesn't make sense to our physical mind. Oh, but our spiritual, our spirit inside of us is connected to you, God. Oh, through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit is full tonight, is elated. It celebrates because we know that there is hope in you. So, Father, we share the gift tonight with the one that we're thinking about, that we know they need to be healed, they need to be set free, they need to be delivered, eyes need to be open unto the truth of you. So, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move on that person's behalf, that you would move on their body, that you would set up meetings for them, this divine appointments, that their hearts would be open to salvation, that their hearts would be opened into the depths of you. God, that you would move on their behalf. So tonight, we celebrate your birth. We celebrate your life. Oh, we say thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us and you lead us and you guide us and you comfort us. And we just want to share that with the whole world. Father, thank you for this wonderful group of people tonight. Let us leave with hearts that are full, with spirits that are connected to you, knowing that you're going to move on our behalf, knowing that you'll speak to us, knowing that it's because of your life, Christ, that you surrendered your life on the cross for us. But it all started in the manger. Thank you for the almost too good to be true news. 
We celebrate you. We say that we're your kids and you are our God. Thank you for seeing us through Jesus Christ. Our hearts are bowed to you. We love you and praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.